This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan England. Today's guest is very involved in the trades. In fact, his organization has over 5,500 member companies. Everybody from electricians to plumbers to HVAC contractors, remodelers, people in solar, even in the construction space. So he's no stranger to what's going on, what some of the challenges are, and he's got some great insight on how to overcome some of the most common challenges faced by business owners in the trades. He believes that community is one of the most important things business owners can have right now, whether it's local, online, or even in one of his groups. I want to take a moment and welcome to today's show, Matt Michelle from Service Nation. Welcome to the show, Matt. So one of the questions I love to start with is, what's a big myth in your industry? What's that one thing that everybody believes about your target market, the skilled labor guys, the anybody in the trades, what's the biggest myth that you want to shatter for our listeners right now? Well, I don't know that it's a universal myth because we've got a number of people that have disproven it in our group. But I think the biggest myth probably overall is that you can't make money in the trades. You can make a lot of money in the trades. You can become very successful. You can build a great business. The millionaire next door is a contractor. I know a lot of millionaires and, you know, not very many of them went to college. They learned in the school of hard knocks and the tuition that they paid was the tuition of mistakes and failures and getting better and improving. But if a person wants a great career, I think that there are very few places that are more accommodating that than the service trades. I couldn't agree with you more. Having grown up around the trades, I see it. And I know a lot of people that love getting their hands dirty. They love being out there building, creating, constructing, fixing. And they do really well, especially when they start operating it a little bit more like a business. They start thinking, hey, I need more hands than just mine to really go do something impactful. So what do you think is the number one thing holding business owners back? I know a lot of guys that, they go get their first truck. They go, wow, this is great. I'm selling it. I need some extra help. Maybe they hire a friend or a buddy, you know, a brother-in-law or something. And they start growing their business, but they still hit these plateaus where they just can't break through. And they can't seem to make it more than just a job. They can't find that millionaire next door status like you're talking about. What do you think is holding them back? Themselves. I think, you know, I, I'm serious. I think We've got guys who know how to turn a wrench. They don't know how to turn a profit. Um, they may have been to trade school, but there isn't an owner school. And, and fortunately, there are resources out there that can help them today, but they've got to trade their craft for the craft of business. And as much as they enjoy getting out and working in the business, as Michael Gerber says, they've got to start working on the business. And until they do that, they will never be able to get out of their own way. And another part of this is guys have got to understand that growth is a good thing. I talked to a lot of, probably 40% of the trade doesn't want to grow. 
you know, they want to run a lifestyle business. That's okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with running a lifestyle business, but you, you need to understand, you know, what you're sacrificing and you need to make sure that you have accounted for your family in case something happens to you and you can't work. Uh, so, you know, the, the single truck operator is the most independent guy in the world. He's also the most selfish because if something happens to him, there goes the business, there goes the customers, there goes the income, maybe there goes the house. So growth is incumbent upon people. The thing that most contractors can't see, and when they do see it, that's when it becomes amazing, is when they build a business that can exist without them. See, until that point, they really don't have a business. They have a company or they have a job, and it owns them. They don't own it. But when they build a business that can run without them, then you know every business owner has things that they don't like to do, things that they just hate doing. So they can delegate those to somebody else. They can hire people to do the things they don't like and aren't good at. And they can focus on the things that they want to do. Uh, Abram Maslow, the, the behavioral psychologist, came up with this hierarchy of needs. A lot of people have seen it. It's like a pyramid. At the very top, the very pinnacle, when you've satisfied everything else, you're self-actualizing, which means you're working on the things that you really enjoy, the things that make you happy. And that's where I live as a business leader right now. And that's where I, the number of contractors I know live. And when you're at that point, that's when business truly becomes fun. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what are some things that these guys can do to actually get there and realize that and have a business that they own versus a job that owns them? Well, one of the things they need to do is associate with other successful contractors. You know, Jim Rohn says that you're like the five people you surround yourself with most. Well, that's that's absolutely true. So if you want to become successful, find other successful people and associate with them. And here's the irony. Most contractors, you know, think that the most successful guy in town won't have anything to do with them, won't share anything with them. That's the guy that's the most likely to share. You know, successful people are the most likely to give back to others. And they're the least fearful of, you know, you taking something from them and, and hurting them, nobody's going to take your customer from you unless you screw up. So that's the first step. And the second step is to listen to podcasts like this one. You know, you're in the truck a lot of time. You can really learn a lot from podcasts, which are free, from audiobooks, which you can download those and join audible.com. You know, you can get them from the library. There's a million ways that you can turn that windshield time into productive learning time. And you can transform yourself. I also think it's important to go to events where contractors are. Get involved with your local trade association. Go to the national events like the Service World Expo. Those types of events are where you will run into people from all over the country, even all over the world, who have been there, who have done it, and have a closet full of T-shirts. Mm. <laughs> I love that closet full of T-shirts. But that's fantastic. And what you're doing right now with Service Nation and all of the different products and, and groups that you have is really giving people a platform for that. Is that correct? Correct. One of our core values is community. And, you know, we're all about community. We create environments where communities thrive, where relationship building begins and, and grows. And business is all about relationships. Businesses grow on relationships. And so, we put contractors together, whether it's in the service roundtable, which is about right now about 5,500 member companies from around the world, or the Service Nation Alliance, which is our best practices group, which has you know roughly 500 members. But this is an extremely intensive. And we also hold events, again, like the Service World Expo and 
Coming up in May, we're going to have the Barefoot Roundtable in Clearwater Beach, Florida. It's going to be outside under a tent. So it literally is going to be on the sand and shorts are required. (laughs) (laughs) So you have fun with it too. That's great. So if I'm thinking about joining community and I'm thinking about, you know, I, I really want to be a part of people that have leveled up their business, have really gone to that next level. I agree with you what Jim Rohn says about the five people you surround yourself with. If I want to be more successful, I need to hang out with people that have been to the mountaintop, that have been there, that have seen that success. I see it a lot too, where often people are afraid to share because they think they're going to lose customers. But I don't know about you, but I don't know any single contractor that's got more than like 5% market share in any market. (laughs) Like, the ocean is vast. There are a lot of fish out there. There are a lot of customers just waiting to be taken care of. So what do I need to look for if I'm looking to join a community? What are some things that you've seen work or don't work? Well, you know, I, I think it's kind of the attitude. You know, there's a lot of contractor groups that are out there. Uh, some of them operate more like a country club. And, you know, everybody tries to one up the other person. I think it's one where you see more of an attitude of service and it's, you know, Oh, you're a member? Come on, come on over to my shop. Let's, let's talk. And, you know, and I don't know anybody in the Service Nation Alliance, for example, who can't call up another member and drop in on them and go visit them. And that's the great thing about contractors. I don't know an industry where people are more giving and more open to helping each other than the contracting community. And I've worked in some of the other, you know, I've worked in, in high tech and I did some marketing consulting with major corporations and none of them are as challenging or have people that are as down to earth as the contracting world. So how would I get started in either looking to join your community or maybe even finding a community that maybe is a better fit for me? What's one of the things we can do? Well, most groups have some type of recruiting event. We have success days. We hold them around the country. We hold several of them every month. There are other groups that have those as well. And you can search for those online. The service roundtable is a very low barrier to entry. You know, it's sort of self-serve, so it's $50 a month, and you can engage people online through it. But I think it's just get involved with those, but also come to the events, come to the national events like Service World or the Barefoot Roundtable. And it's there where you'll talk to people who are in different groups and, you know, at your local trade shows. These are going to start back up, and we're going to get away from virtual world, which is great. And I was at the Conditioned Air Association of Georgia's annual meeting last month. And they had a couple hundred people there. And it was great to be back face-to-face. And when you talk to other contractors, you ask them what works for them. What are the things that you like? And they'll tell you. And they'll be honest with you. And, you know, every group has a reputation. And they're not hard to find. And you can go to the online forums. And there's online Facebook groups. And people, you know, will share those with you. I think what you have to find is somewhere where you feel a fit and you feel comfortable. And when you find it, you'll know. I love that. A lot of the work that we do is helping contractors hire better people faster. That's what we tell them. It's no secret. Hiring is, and probably will be for a long time, one of the largest challenges for contractors to find good people. And we help them focus on fit. I can teach you to turn a wrench. I can send you to go get another certification or something like that. But what I can't teach you to do is to be the right person for our team, to feel like you belong here and make a difference. Well, I would say that finding the right people is not 
one of the greatest challenges. I'd say it's the greatest challenge. And that's where, you know, most contractors struggle with it. And, you know, you want to hire the people that fit your culture. And so if we can talk about culture for just a second. Absolutely. You know, I didn't get culture for the longest time. I mean, I knew we had a culture. I just didn't understand it. I, you know, I knew it was there, but I didn't realize that you can design a culture. And I went to the Disney Leadership Institute and it changed my outlook and it blew me away. And it was at Disney, they believe that culture can be designed because culture is the shared values. And these values drive results. They drive behaviors, which drive results. So there are certain behaviors that you will or will not do based on a value system. And so if you identify what those values are, you can see what the behaviors are, and then the behaviors drive results. And this is why Peter Drucker said that culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? A great Mm -hmm. strategy has to be executed, but a great culture is self-executed. So an important part, you know, of the hiring process is, is identify your values. What are the values that are important to you, to your company, to your organization? And then develop questions. And I'm assuming you could help these guys do that. Identify the underlying behaviors that are consistent with that value. So now you're bringing people into your organization who share the value set you have. There'll be less conflict. There'll be more harmony. There'll be more productivity. And you'll have just a better organization. When the pandemic first hit, we asked a number of our members who were seeming to get through this without much of a struggle to get on a webcast with us. And the thing that struck me listening to these guys describe their experience uh, after what happened in March was they all mentioned the culture of their company and they had strong cultures that got them through. And so I think that if anything COVID has brought out the importance of culture to a business and the need to make sure that you've got a strong culture. Yeah. A couple of things that you said, one of them I really liked is that the values really are what the behaviors you're looking for. It's what drives the behaviors. And we tell a lot of people, your values should be a verb. They should be something you can do, not just be something that you are, because you want to see that show up in the actions when you start executing on that strategy. So I really liked that piece. I think the other thing too, I say this a lot, you know, the COVID made it so that a lot of people said, wait a minute, we got to figure out how to do this remote workforce thing. And the thing that most people don't realize is that the trades, they've been doing remote workforce for since ever, right? I mean, they were the first ones that were remote, whether it's you're working on a job site because you're constructing something new, you're doing tenant improvements, or you're just out there servicing something like they've had a remote workforce. And I think to your point, that culture is what's going to help you bring the right people together. And so the more intentional you are about that, the easier it will be to find the right people and keep them. Because that's the other big challenge. It's one thing to find them. The other thing is being able to keep them. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody tell me, oh, I just lost Jimmy for a quarter more an hour. I'm like, Jimmy didn't leave for a quarter more an hour. (laughs) But for a lot of other reasons, the quarter is the excuse he used. You know, that's what helped him justify it. So let's talk a little bit about this, learn the craft of business, like just go to owner's school. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for me? Sure. Well, the first thing that we start with is goal setting. I mean, frankly, you need to understand the goal setting process and how you set goals that are just out of reach, but not out of sight so that you have to stretch for them. And the goals ripple through. We do an annual success plan. It ripples through the organization. 
and it goes into manpower planning and looking at available days and making sure that you know you're looking at what type of production you're going to need through the year and that you're going to have enough butts and trucks to be able to fulfill that. And so that you can work on it in advance. Too often, you know, a contractor waits till Jimmy's gone and now, oh crap, I got to go find somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know, you should be working on this. We advise that the business owner should be working on recruiting 30% of his time year round. You know, do you have a recruiting brochure? You got to have a recruiting brochure, just like you have a, a company brochure that promotes your company and the benefits that you offer to prospective team members. And if you don't have a recruiting brochure, you're not serious about it. So work on that, you know, work on building relationships up. You know, a lot of times we're sort of a, an interesting in the trades because we've got all these people that think they have to go to college and, and I don't think they do, but there's also a group of people out there that are willing to work hard, but aren't going to go to college. And it's not because they aren't smart or bright. They just aren't going to do it. And so how do you identify them? How do you find them? Well, go to the Catholic church and talk to the priests about some of the Hispanic kids there that may be looking for the trades as an opportunity, or go to an African-American church and talk to the pastor and say, who's coming up in the youth that might find this as a great career? And I think that that's something that we're negligent in doing. And we need to be doing more of that. We need to be doing more of reaching out to the high schools. And this is incumbent upon every contractor. Mm -hmm. So I think that's all part of it. You know, we've got some contractors whose path is they hire an apprentice for every truck. And after two years, the apprentice gets his own truck. And so they're constantly building and growing and doubling. It's a slow approach, but it's a steady approach and it works. And, you know, you talked about the need for good retention programs. I, I think that's, Huge, you know, because we've seen contractors lose their entire team before. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Well, you know, one of the things is they aren't meeting the technicians or the plumbers' needs. And let me let me deviate for just a second on this, if you don't mind. But yeah, go um, for it. In the past, you know, we've always been really good at technical training. You know, we're good at technical skills, and so we do a lot of training in that. In the last twenty years, we've gotten pretty good at soft skills training. So, you know, that's standing up straight, smiling, looking people in the eye, you know, the whole deal and knock on the door, step back, hand a business card, you know, put on shoe covers, all the soft skills. We're better at that than we have been. But we're finding that training is not just technical skills and soft skills. We also need life skills. So why does the guy leave for an, another dollar an hour? It's because he's broke. Why is he broke? He's paid well. Why is he broke? Yeah. He's broke because <laughs> he doesn't know how to manage his money. Why yeah. do he manage his money? Nobody's ever taught him. So now we've got contractors who are out there teaching, and we've created a course for our members to use with their guys that, that teaches them personal financial management. So once you start get control of your personal finances, you're less likely to leave for an extra dollar an hour. It goes beyond finance. It's character. You know, it's how to be a good dad, how to be a good husband. It's all kinds of things that people just don't learn anymore. And they used to learn growing up. And the guys that do this and do it well, they select. Yep. I love that. You know, one of the things that we coach our clients through is everybody's got a joke about a millennial, right? There's somebody that's got something bad to say about millennials. And I think two things, number one, some of the hardest workers I've ever met are millennials because they know why they get out of bed in the morning. The other thing too, is that 
millennials have the greatest economic buying power in this country. So you better learn to like them. <laughs> They're around. They're not going anywhere. But you know, one of the things that we found out a while back was that, to your point, life skills. You know, these guys don't come to work because they want to turn a wrench and that's all they want to do. They want to earn a good living. They want to take care of their family. And sometimes we've had clients who have actually gotten into this mindset of, we need to finish raising them a little bit. We need to give them the life skills that the schools let them down on or that their parents didn't teach them because they were too busy out pursuing their own careers and doing their own things. You know, one of the jokes is millennials never show up to work on time. You know, they talk about that all the time. I was like, great. There's software out there that you can get that'll send a text message to them says, hey, it's time to get up and get out of bed and get to the job site. And it's those little things that we can do to coach the next generation and help them with the life skills and help them understand how to give more of a contribution to not just the company, but also to their family. Well, I think we also have to change the way we manage, you know, because you know, I grew up in the Theory X environment, right? What do you mean you don't want to do that? I'm your boss. Do it. What do you want? I give you a paycheck. And we've got to manage millennials like we manage a group of volunteers. I don't know if you've ever managed volunteers, but the way you manage volunteers is you thank them for showing up. Yeah. You give them lots of pats on the back. You tell them, good job. You celebrate them. You have pizza. <laughs> we've got to start doing some things kind of like that with these guys. And, and the thing about millennials that's they are hard workers if you can find the right environment for them. Let them know what they're doing is important. Show them their value that they're providing. I mean, you know, we just went through 60 hours without electricity at zero degrees at my house in February. And we had a pipe burst. So, you know, when the plumber shows up, the plumber, I mean, he is a hero. He's a savior. You know, he's allowing us to live in our house. Same thing for the air conditioning guy when he comes to work on the broken furnace or the broken mm -hmm. air conditioner when it's 100 degrees outside. Guys in the trades do. It's important. Um, that's why they're all essential workers, right? They keep homes cool in the summer, warm in the winter. They make sure that the toilet's flushed and the showers are hot. They make sure that the lights come on. You know, they help rebuild homes to make them more livable. This is really valuable stuff. And so the tradesmen should be looked up to, not looked down upon. And I think a lot of them, have gotten the attitude where they look down on themselves and they shouldn't do that because they're providing a, a vital role. And frankly, you got to work with your head and you got to work with your hands. Yeah. I can't agree with you more on that. You know, the thing that so many people don't realize about the younger generation and frankly, the modern workforce, I mean, I know Gen Xers that feel this way, they've really stepped away and they've changed their mindset about what work is about. And work is no longer about a paycheck. Work is now about a purpose. And so we tell people all the time, the millennials, they've traded a paycheck for a purpose. They don't care about the extra dollar an hour. They want to know they're making a difference. They want to know that the work they're doing is actually contributing to something bigger than themselves. And I see so many owners that don't really know why they're in business. You know, they've forgotten that they did this to create a lifestyle or take care of their family or contribute to the community. They've forgotten that. And it's all become about, I got to get the next job. I got to get the next job. I got to reduce expenses, increase profits. Like they're so focused on that. They forgot about their purpose, the reason why. And if you can align people on that, they can give them that, that sense of belonging. And right now, more than ever, as human beings, we want to feel like we belong to a group, 
whether it's a company or it's even a group like yours? Yeah, what's the higher calling? What's the mission? What's the bigger purpose? What's the vision? Everybody wants to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. But there's also an aspect to this that every morning since the pandemic started, I post a short motivational video on, on a Slack channel for my company. And I usually write some message and I ask a question at the end of it, like, you know, tell me why today is going to be a great day or tell me something good. But the one today was taking some Jim Rohn stuff and some Doug Hansen stuff. He's a motivational speaker that we've had at our meetings. And Doug Hansen said, everybody works on a to-do list and that helps you get things done. But what you also need is a to-be list so that you're working on yourself. What do you want to be? Because you can become more than you are. And Jim Rohn echoes that message. And so it's the sense of purpose that's got to go beyond just the company, but what are we doing to grow ourselves? Because, you know, look around in your backyard. Everything is either growing or dying. It's the same way with a business. It's the same way with people. And if people in the company aren't growing, then the business won't grow ultimately. So if people are growing, then the business will grow. And so this fits in with what we're looking for for millennials and Gen Xers. They all want to grow. They all want to become poor. And here's the cool thing about these kids. They don't see a dividing line between work and life. You know, they don't go home and just turn it off. You know, they're interwoven and interleaved. And if you allow that, if you're flexible for these people, then they will be loyal to you. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, we used to work with a HVAC contractor. You know, they all have the GPS tracking in their trucks. And they literally, at the end of the day, would pull the reports to see where the guys went. And if they made a stop at like a Home Depot or something, they would reprimand them. They're like, oh, they're doing side jobs. Like there's no way. And their turnover was ridiculous because of that level of scrutiny. And I love that the modern workforce, the millennials, especially like there's not a difference between life and work. Like there's not that work-life balance. They don't understand that concept. I remember when I was in corporate, there were all these initiatives about work-life balance. And so I work 90 hours a week and then you give me 90 hours a week of home life where I'm sleeping and recovering. Like that's not balance. Uh, but that was kind of the way it worked. And you're right. They don't really see the difference. A lot of millennials, they'll clock in at nine o'clock at night after the kids have gone to bed, start working a little more. So absolutely. So how do we put these two takeaways into practice? Like what are the things that they can go do right now? I'm sure they're listening in the truck. They're listening to this podcast and they're like, I got to go do something with this, you know, associating with successful contractors and learning the craft of the business. What are the things they can go do this week to put that into action? Well, this is self-serving, but I think the first step is joining the service roundtable and maybe committing to coming to the Barefoot Roundtable in May. I mean, look, everybody wants to get out and go somewhere and do something and see people. Well, that's a yeah. good place to start. But if you go to serviceroundtable.com, you can learn about the Barefoot Roundtable. And frankly, if they want to try us out, we're $50 a month, but I'll give them three months for 75 bucks. And no harm, no foul. If they don't like it, they can quit. They can leave. We don't handcuff you. There's no long-term contract. We have to win our members' business every month. And just email me at mmichelle, M-M-I-C-H-E-L, at servicenation.com. And I'll um, and just mention it, and I'll have someone get in touch with them. But I think, you know, I think that's a, a good starter. And, you know, if you have a local trade association, go and get involved with the local trade association. 
You know, businesses build on relationships, start building relationships and, you know, the craft of the business, start reading the books that are essential. If you're an air conditioning contractor and you haven't read Ron Smith's HVAC spells well, you know, you're not serious. And, you know, read the e-myth. You'll see yourself in the pages of the e-myth. And then there's the e-myth HVAC contractor that Gerber wrote with my friend, Ken Goodrich. And Ken is a guy who he started, he was in the, sitting outside of the supply house. They told him to wait while they were taking care of their good customers. So he's sitting there with his mullet, as he describes it, mad, scratching out stuff on a legal pad and setting goals for himself. And he got so mad that he went out and started achieving those and he built a hundred million dollar company. And then, you know, he did it again. You know, get good guys right now. He's, you know, in the 200 million range and he was growing hand over fist. I mean, the guy has his own jet. I mean, if this isn't a good industry, I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, another book, if you don't mind, I'd love to add to that is uh, Profit First for Contractors. You know, he talks about the craftsman cycle. I know we all know what this is. Go out and get the work. Go out and do the work. Go out and get the work. Go out and do the work. And it's just this roller coaster of, well, I'm busy doing these jobs. I can't go sell more. <laughs> it's like, no, you have to always be selling so that you don't have these ups and downs in revenue. So fantastic books. And I've read HVAC Spells Wealth and I'm not even a contractor. It's a fantastic book. So no, I love that. And you have a best practices group as well, correct? Yeah, the Service Nation is the, the company. So we run the Service Roundtable, which is our large self-serve group. And then we have the Service Nation Alliance, which is our Jesuits, our uh, Marines. These are the guys who are serious about success. So every one of them joins, they get placed on an advisory board with other contractors and a consultant who guides them. They meet weekly, they go over KPIs, they go over their personal goals, and they hold each other accountable. The success and the growth that these guys have attained is amazing. And they're really helping each other become more than they all, all can be as individuals. It's the old adage of uh, the smartest guy in the room is not smarter than everybody else in the room. So if you can take advantage of the insights that everybody in the room has, you're going to be way ahead of the game. No, and I love that piece about accountability too. For a lot of guys, it's lonely at the top and they're only accountable to themselves. And you probably know this, but I'm the hardest person to hold accountable like myself. So getting involved in a group that can actually hold you accountable is fantastic. Well, hey, Matt, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot. We're going to have all those links in our show notes. So if you're out there in a truck right now, make sure to go to our website and then download that information and reach out to Matt. Take advantage of that service roundtable offer. It's a fantastic group. They're doing a lot of great things and a lot of great value is coming out of it. Well, hey, Matt, thanks again for being on the show today. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate the opportunity. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.